All right. Well, this morning we are starting a new series. It's called Called Out, and um, it's about following Jesus in all circumstances. We, um, I, we believe that every single person who belongs to Victory Point, actually every single person who belongs to the family of God, has a call on their life. That's what it means to follow Jesus, is that we are called people. We are called out. We are called out of the world. God is like, okay, I want these people to really represent my love and my kingdom on earth. And so we are called. Um, and that's what we're going to be talking about this, this uh, series, is what does it mean that we are all called people? What is calling? Last night I was actually watching a movie called Won't You Be My Neighbor. Has anyone ever, ever seen that? Yeah. No? Who's seen Won't You Be My Neighbor? Mr. Rogers, thank you. Katie, thank you very much. That's it? Okay, Mr. Rogers, does anyone know who Mr. Rogers is? Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, so it's about the life and legacy of Mr. Rogers. Um, Mr. Rogers' mission was to use television to make sure every kid in the nation knew that they were loved and capable of loving others that they were loved just as they were, and that um, they had the capacity to love other people. And this was his mission. This was his calling. Fred Rogers was a Christian, and he was actually ordained by the church to be on television. He wasn't ordained for a church. The church ordained him to be on television as an evangelist. And the way he would evangelize is by communicating the love of God to all children. And I look at someone like Fred Rogers, and I think that is a person with a calling on their life. You know, they had a clear mission, and sometimes I wish, man, I wish God would just give me a really strong calling like that. But I believe that Fred Rogers didn't get that calling because he thought in his head, I want to someday be a television star, or something like that. He had that calling because he understood, he received God's love, he understood God's love, and he, his mission was to to communicate that love to everyone around him. And he did that in the medium that he found himself in, in TV. That was his calling. And so when we ask the question, what is calling? I think, I think we have a really, really tiny view of what calling is. We think that calling is this, this specific um, fulfillment of a very specific order from God that says, you are to do this. And then we follow it, and now we're a called person. And we usually look at big figures or famous people of going, man, they have a call upon their lives or they have a call upon their lives. And for us, we're still kind of looking for that call. Or maybe we had it in the past. We had a sense of God's call and purpose, but um, it's kind of evaporated. Or maybe we've never felt a sense of call. Like God isn't, I don't feel like God has ever really called me to do anything. And so we kind of resign ourselves to maybe God isn't calling me or maybe I'm not hearing right. or Maybe I'm not as spiritual as other people are. So my hope in this series is that every single person would understand that they are called by God, that you'd have a sense of God's voice in your life calling you to follow him, whatever circumstances you are, because it's not just for the super spiritual. It's not just, calling is not just this, here's what I want you to do, fill in the blank. Here's what I want you to do, go do it. Calling is much broader than that. And I want to illustrate that through a story that I see in Scripture. Just then, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? I read this question and I think, This man is asking about calling. How do I live a fulfilled, purposeful life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. 
There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. When most of us come to God in search of a calling, we are thinking of our own fulfillment. We're thinking of, I mean, I think this is in our culture, even in our Christian culture, of Christians ought to have a sense that um, there is purpose in my life, that I'm important, that I'm useful in the kingdom of God. And so we seek after a call, not necessarily hoping for God to actually call us to something, but more hoping to be important, to be useful, like Mr. Rogers may be, to go, I want to be an important person in the kingdom of God. And that's what I think this, this man is saying to Jesus, is saying, how do I get eternal life? How do I become fulfilled in my life? I, don't, I feel like there's this hole in me. And Jesus is saying, if you really want a special call, if you want special instructions from the Almighty, don't come to me asking to be special. Go back to the scriptures and follow what I told you to do. Love God and love your neighbor. And that's really the essence of what calling is. It's not about my own personal fulfillment. It's not my own personal um, importance. Calling is about living a life fully in love with the God who made us and who calls us his beloved. Whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, and in whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, do we have the courage and strength to love our neighbor? That's what calling is. Um, there's this quote from uh, Mark Laberton who wrote a book called Called. And he says this, The heart of God's call is this, that we receive and live the love of God for us and for the world. The vocation of every Christian is to live as a follower of Jesus today in every aspect of life, in small and large acts, with family, neighbors, and enemies. We are to seek to live out the grace and truth of Jesus. This is our vocation, our calling today. In relation to this primary calling, all the rest is secondary. It matters, but not as much as this vocation. Gifts, context, challenges, personality, these affect how we embody and enact our following Jesus. Such things have all kinds of impact on how we live out our imitation of Jesus, but they are not the call itself. I think we get these two things kind of switched around. I mean, there's the first things and the next things, right? The first things, can we live out a life of love to God and neighbor in whatever circumstances we find ourselves in? Whatever job we're a part of, whatever person we're married to, whatever career we're in, whatever neighborhood we live in, whatever city we live in, are we able to live out the call to follow God, to love God, and to love neighbor? The next things are kind of what that man was seeking after is like, well, which job should I take? Where should I move? Uh, what you know, charity should I support? What Fill in the blank. All these specific things. And we think in our heads that if we get those blanks filled in in our lives, we'll have this sense of fulfillment. And so maybe we're working in a job. We're like, man, I used to think this was my deal, but now it's kind of gotten tired. And I, 
you know, when we started out this marriage, I thought it was going to be this great thing, but I just don't feel like we're in love anymore. I don't feel fulfilled anymore. And so maybe God's not calling me to this anymore. Maybe God's calling me to a different career. Or maybe God's calling me to move to a different neighborhood, a different city. And if we confuse first things and next things, we begin to follow that in that direction. We go, okay, I'm going to switch my job. I'm going to switch my marriage. I'm going to switch my living place in order to get that sense of fulfillment that I think I need. And so we go to the next place, and we realize now it's even harder. Now there's all kinds of challenges that I wasn't prepared for. And we haven't learned how to follow Jesus, how to love God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, how to love our neighbors as ourselves. We haven't learned how to do that in the places that we already are. So when we go pursuing God's call into a new place, now it's even harder. Now we're in a new place trying to do this stuff, and we haven't learned the lesson of how to follow God where we already are. So I want to help us kind of expand our view of calling here that it's not all about figuring out this one particular thing that's going to give me fulfillment and purpose and meaning in my life. Okay, And the way that I want to do that is by looking at the life of Jesus. Um, calling is much broader than... Let me back up a second. Calling is much broader. Sometimes we think of our call, uh, the call is very specific, like what we were talking about. There's a specific thing that God is asking us to do. And sometimes it's general. Sometimes the call is general, like God saying, I don't, I don't have a specific thing for you right now, but my voice is still in your life. I'm still calling you. It just doesn't feel very specific right now. Okay? There's also times where God's call feels like consolation. Consolation is like the sense of blessing, love, favor, um, open doors, soft soil. Sometimes God's calling feels like that, like a blessing, like an opening. And sometimes it feels like desolation, like God is silent, or God is disciplining us, or God doesn't, you know, this is like a closed door. Like, God, why aren't you answering this prayer? So I just want to broaden the map here for us and help us fill out this map, and I want to do that by looking at the life of Jesus. Okay, This is the story in uh, Luke 3. And um, before we read through this, uh, let, me, let me pray for us. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the way that it instructs us the way that it corrects us, the way that it uh, builds up the life of Christ in us. We pray that your words would not simply be words on a page or on a screen, but they would be life-giving words, that you would show us the way to go, the way of Christ, and you'd form Christ in us in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to look at Jesus' calling here. Jesus has been born. He's been living for 30 years or so, and now he comes to the Jordan River, where John the Baptist is baptizing people. And this is Jesus' call into ministry. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. So we're going to pause right there. We're going to continue to go through a couple chapters here. But let me just pause right here. The first thing that Jesus does in his calling is to receive the love of the Father. And this is so important for us, that if we are to be in love with God and loving neighbor, it's really not about how much we love God or how much we love neighbor. It's how much God has loved us, right? 
And if we don't understand that, if we don't receive that, we really have nothing to give other people. So what does it look like for us to live as a people who are filled with the love of God? And this is a sense of calling. I mean, this is, um, this is a part of calling. This is, a, I would call, if you take um, the specific and the general and then the um, desolation and the consolation. Let me turn around here. Desolation and consolation. If you put uh, consolation in general together, you've got a sense of call that's very general. It's like God has given you a wide open meadow saying, I love you, and I have called you to love me. And you may not know exactly what that looks like yet, but you do know that my love is in your heart. And that's an important thing to have. I, I think of um, King Solomon who got this in Second Chronicles. The very beginning, King Solomon takes his throne, and God says, you have my favor. Ask whatever you wish. This is a different thing than what we normally think of as calling. We normally think of calling as God saying, go to Nineveh, you know, and do this. And we're able to have the safety of like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to go do what God called me to do. But God is here saying, no, Solomon, I'm going to ask you what you would like. I'm, I'm going to put it, the ball in your court. And you have some power and authority here. And how does Solomon use that power and authority? He says, he says I, want, I want wisdom to be able to lead your people. I want wisdom. And God says, because you could have asked for wealth or riches, whatever, you could have asked for anything, but you asked for wisdom. I'm going to give you wisdom, but I'm also going to give you all the rest. And so this time of calling in the meadow can be a time of blessing and favor. And instead of using that for our own gain, we, we leverage that blessing and favor to pray big prayers, to ask for big things. We ask for wisdom. We, we approach our call with wisdom and, and know that God has given us power and authority and his love. And we're able to exercise that in prayer. And so a called person can, can exercise uh, wisdom and authority in prayer. Um, for me, um, this, this intersection between a general call and a consolation call um, has come, you know, as we've been discerning with world orphans. If you guys have been familiar with world, orf- world orphans, world orphans, they've come in here with Aaron Boyd and they've kind of showed us what they do in the world. And we've felt a sense of peace with them, a connection with them going, I wonder if there's a budding relationship with world orphans. And so we felt like we don't have a sense of clarity yet with that, but we do feel God's blessing in that area. And so we're beginning to pray for world orphans and leverage our prayers towards world orphans because there's a sense of blessing, a meadow that has opened up in there. We don't know exactly what that looks like, but we're praying. And we feel like God has called us towards that, even though we don't know exactly what that looks like. So I'd ask you what that looks like in your own life. Maybe there's a spiritual family that you're a part of that where you feel like there is just great sense of freedom in this place. God is calling me there. Or maybe God has answered prayer. Or isn't it, you're in a season of where God is answering your prayers and you're realizing God loves me and he's listening to me. Or maybe you've you entered a season of good health and God's kind of opening up this meadow saying, now you have strength and energy to be able to enter in. Maybe you don't have a particular call where God is saying, this is what I want you to do, but you have a sense that God is opening up a season of favor and you're listening for his voice. So back to the story of Jesus. Oh, and one other thing. Jesus also extends this ministry to other people. In Luke 18, Jesus goes to the blind man. The blind man's there and he comes, cries out for Jesus. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? That's the question of meadow. Where God is saying, I love you. 
and all that I have is yours. What do you want me to do for you? And the man says, I want to receive sight. And Jesus heals him. Okay? Jesus puts the ball in his court. That's an element of calling. Uh, the next kind of uh, stage that Jesus goes through. So Jesus gets baptized, and he receives the love of the Father, which is the first and primary important thing of calling, to receive the love of God, to be filled with God's love. Then it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into a palace? No. Into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from there. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. So Jesus gets led from the meadow, the Jordan River Valley, into the desert where there's nothing for him. God seems to be silent. And what he's doing is he's holding on to the words of God. God said, I love you. You're my son. I'm so pleased with you. And then he enters into the desert holding on to that like treasure. Like that's his real food. That's his real sustenance. And in the meantime, the devil comes and begins to tempt him to believe that his calling is judged by superficial measures. That if he's not fulfilled, God must not be calling him, right? Eat this bread. If you're not filled, if you're not feeling the sense of fulfillment, God must not be calling you. You can listen to me. To, you know, turn this bread into a, into a rock. And then, you know, he says, um, if, you know, if, you're not, if you're not important to God, if you're not important to God, then if you don't feel a sense of importance, then you must not be called right now. If you don't have power, if you don't have the ability to do whatever you want, you must be, not be called. And that's the temptation of Satan to Jesus in the desert. And I wonder if that temptation is here today too, of people going, well, I'm not really feeling fulfilled in my marriage. I'm not really fulfilled in my job, with my family, with my neighborhood. I don't really like the place I live. I don't really like my house. Maybe we need to move to somewhere different. Maybe God's calling us somewhere else. God could be calling us to somewhere else. But first and foremost, we need to follow the model of Jesus, who's in the desert, and he's not trying to escape. He's not trying to get out of it. He assumes that God is leading him here, that the Spirit is, is leading him into the desert. The Spirit can lead us into the desert. It's not all about the valley. It's not all about roses and rivers. The Spirit sometimes leads us into a desert, and sometimes it feels like God is silent. It doesn't mean that God isn't present. It doesn't mean that God isn't calling us. It means he's calling us to learn how to dig deep wells and to hold on to that word of love, to not be fooled by the superficiality of the calling around us, that says, you know, you should be fulfilled. You should be powerful. You should be influential. You should be important. No, God's first calling is to say, I love you. And I need you to know that I still love you, even when it feels like a desert. 
So maybe some of us are feeling like we're in a desert this morning. That we're feeling that, that desolation and just an aimlessness about our lives. Um, during this, these last few months, we've been doing this thing called Calling Lab with some of you. And I'm going to invite you guys to join that during this series. But um, one person who was part of this, I, um, I hadn't fully, we hadn't fully unpacked this whole diversity. In fact, this wasn't, in my mind, calling was still, this, earlier this summer, calling was still something where you get this specific word from God and you follow it. Okay, and, this, and I communicated to this person, and they said, God's call does not feel like a meadow. Um, right now, I feel like God is silent. I don't know what to do with that. It feels more like the valley of the shadow of death than a meadow. And I said, okay, we've got to wrestle with this because we have to have faith that God is present. And you can't cajole God into doing things that God's not going to do. And so how do we walk through this desert season in faithfulness together? How do we learn to identify Jesus' presence even when it's not readily known? Even when God seems to be silent, what do we do? Follow Jesus' example. Let's not get fooled by uh, the devil who says, you know, you must be important, powerful, successful. You must have this feeling of fulfillment and purpose. No, Jesus doesn't need those things to know that God loves him and that he is still called. Right after that, Jesus um, goes into his hometown in Nazareth. And uh, it says he goes into the power of the Holy Spirit and begins to preach the gospel. And he goes into the synagogue to teach in his hometown. This is his first step in ministry. And he walks in, he gives this sermon. He reads from scripture, prophet Isaiah. And then he says this, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath, in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet. Yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. Guys, this is Jesus' first experience of ministry. He gets filled with the Spirit. God tells him, I love you. Then he gets sent through the desert, okay? Sent through the desert. That's his first thing. And then he comes in to do his first public ministry. And what does he get met with? Failure. He gets met with, people want to kill him, okay? That's his first call into ministry. It's not this idea of Jesus going on and like, hey, everybody, God loves you, you know? Here we go, follow me, and everybody follows him. No. The first thing people do in response to his message is try to push him off a cliff, literally. There are some times in our calling when our call feels more like a thorn, a thorn on our side. There's something specific that's going on in our lives that feels like the consolation, feels like, um, like the Apostle Paul where he says, I was given a thorn in my flesh in 2 Corinthians. I was given a thorn in my flesh, and I asked, God, take this away, take this away, take this away. And he didn't. Instead, he said, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in weakness. And so Jesus goes into his hometown to preach the gospel, and his message seems weak. 
his, he, he becomes afflicted. He's persecuted. And if we don't understand this as part of our calling, we're, we're missing something. Because this is where God gives us grace. So maybe there's something in your life where it's a particular condition. Or maybe there's a particular relationship in your life. Or maybe there's, you know, something in your life that's causing intense pain. And you're tempted to think, God can't be calling me in this time. God's got to take this away in order for me to feel his presence. God's got to take this away before I can feel a sense of his call. Or God's got to deal with this issue before I step into this particular ministry or this particular career. That God's got to deal with this thing before anything else happens. And the lesson of Jesus here and the lesson of Paul is to say, no. Sometimes God calls us and gives us a thorn in our sides to teach us his grace. And that's a really hard pill to swallow, right? I mean, look at Job, who gets all kinds of afflictions. And, and his friends are saying, um, you must have sinned. You must have done something wrong. You must be out of God's calling because God would never bring this upon you unless he had a reason to. And Job says, no, I refuse to do that because I choose to believe that God is present even in this, that he's teaching me something in the midst of this. This is part of the landscape of calling that we choose to ignore most of the time. And when we do, we lose the sense of grace. God is teaching us how to have grace in this moment and to believe that his power is made perfect in weakness. That it's not all about what we can do and how much we can help and the kind of kingdom, you know, things we can accomplish. It's about God's grace made perfect in us and his power made perfect through weakness. Um, in my own life, I've learned this. Um, when I was 13, I was on the football team. I think I was 13. Anyway, I was going into freshman football. And um, I remember being at practice, and all the other kids were like, even like the big linemen were way ahead of me, even just on the warm-up lap. And I couldn't, I like couldn't run. I couldn't keep up with them. And I had no idea what was happening to my body. It felt like I was sore all over or like I couldn't control my body and I was just way behind everyone else. And I was just freaking out. I had no idea what was happening. And, of course, that's when my mom chose to tell me that there's a genetic condition that she had, you know, that could subject me to this kind of thing. It's called a hypokalemic periodic paralysis. And that's a very, very long name. Basically, there's sometimes when different parts of my muscles kind of just shut down and there's not very much I can do about it. And so it's, been, it was, it's much better now. But when I was growing up um, through high school and college, it was a huge uh, thing that I was dealing with all the time, trying to figure out how do I deal with this and praying constantly, God, take this away from me. I remember like many nights, me just on the floor in tears, praying to God, heal this. I have, have other people praying over me, prayer groups, you know, healing ministries praying over me, heal this in my body. I don't want to be dealing with this anymore. And through that, um, I started to learn how to see God's presence in the midst of it. That um, God was teaching me grace. That in those moments of weakness, I had to rely on other people like I never otherwise would have had to. And I had to have a sense of my own humility that I, don't, I can't do everything all the time. That God was teaching me that. He also was teaching me 
how to, uh, I, I realized that it would, it would get much worse when I wouldn't take care of myself, when I was stressed out or when I wasn't um, taking care of my body. And God was teaching me to honor my body and to, um, to uh, cast away anxiety. You know, like scriptures say, like, get rid of anxiety, right? Like, so anxiety would cause it. And God was teaching me through that thorn how to have his grace. So maybe in your life there's something that's a thorn and you feel like God's got to take this away or else. Or maybe you think God's got to deal with this thing or God's got to accomplish this thing in my life before I can do this thing or I can, you know, be present to him or be obedient. But the truth is that calling, that thorns are part of God's calling in our lives. And we need to understand that or else we totally miss out on what God's doing. So Jesus... Um, finishes, escapes the crowd. He's trying to push him off the cliff. And he heads into Galilee. And Jesus begins, his, uh, begins casting out demons and begins um, healing people. And Jesus addresses one person. It says, Be quiet, Jesus said sternly to the demon. Come out of him. And the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, What words these are? With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits, and they come out. The news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also, because that is why I was sent. Notice how Jesus goes back to the Father during this time. He withdraws to a solitary place to pray. It's during that time that he receives his purpose, his calling. And that's the last kind of quadrant I want to show you, the target, where Jesus is able to get alone with God and hear from God about what his priorities are, what his calling is. And then he comes into, back into ministry, and people are trying to pull him this way and that way, and he said, no, this is my calling. I know what it is because God's called me to it. It's a target. This is the time when the specific nature of call meets the consolation, where it's really, you know, where God says, this is what I want you to do, and now you're doing it, and now we feel the sense of, I'm doing exactly what Jesus called me to. But here's the problem with this quadrant, is that we typically think of this quadrant as where we want to be, but actually look at the life of Jonah. Like, God gives him a specific call, right? He says, here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go uh, preach in Nineveh, which would be like asking one of you guys, okay, I want you to go over to the headquarters of ISIS and go tell them to repent and believe in God, right? That would be what it would feel like. That's what Jonah basically got asked to do. Go to your sworn enemy, the most dangerous nature, nation you've ever heard of, and go tell them to repent and believe in God. And Jonah goes, no thank you like most of us probably would, no thank you, I will go the opposite direction, down to Joppa. And, um, and I say that to say that the call that God gives us when it's specific, when God gives us a specific call, it's usually because we would otherwise not want to go. Usually God has to get really specific when there's something that we don't want to do that he knows that we don't want to do, and he says, you've got you've to go do this. I'm going to give it to you very specific. I'm going to write it in the sky so that 
you know that this is what you're supposed to do even when you don't want to do it. Um, I think of also uh, Paul in Acts 16 when he's trying to go into Asia. He's like, Asia's the place to be. That's where we're going to be you know, pushing into the gospel where things are really going to be happening. And the Holy Spirit keeps closing doors, closing doors, closing doors, and Paul's getting really frustrated, saying, I thought you called me to this. Where's my call? Right? Like, let's do this, God. Well, God says, um, actually, I want you to go over here to Macedonia, and um, I'm going to give you a very, very specific dream that's going to lead you in that way. So have you ever experienced a time in your life that's like this? Have you ever experienced a time where you felt like God was giving you something very clear to do? He's giving you something really specific to respond to. I remember, for me, um, actually being at this church was a time in my life where I felt a very specific calling to be a part of this community. And um, responding to it, I felt this great sense of fulfillment. Like, yes, this confirmation. Yes, this is what God asked me to do. And he's opening the door for me to do it. And so I'm saying yes to God. Um, seminary was that way for me, um, where we are seeking a specific word from the Lord for direction, and it just seemed to just emerge very clearly, this is what I'm leading you towards. And so stepping into it, we had that confidence of, this is going to be really hard, and it's going to be a long process, but I know that God has called me to this, so that's what gets me through it. God has given um, me particular, particular words about what's, you know, what he wants from me, specific callings that haven't fully materialized, that I go, okay, I don't see that happening right now, but I'm going to hold on to that knowing that God is in control and that he's going to lead me there. And so that's an element of calling too, where something hasn't fully emerged yet, but you have this word from God that promises you, gives you hope for the future. So what is that in your life? Where, where is there an area in your life where you're feeling God's specific call where you're feeling like, okay, this is what God has asked me to do, and I'm going to do it. I'd like to just kind of um, make it known that every single person probably has something in each of these quadrants. Nobody's probably just in one quadrant. But this is a broader map, I think, of calling to say, it's not just about God saying, go to this place and do this thing. Calling is about following God. Calling is about following Jesus in every single aspect of life. It's not about our personal fulfillment. It's not about our personal importance, trying to fill in the blank of our lives, trying to, you know, f- figure out what our personal calling is. Calling is a call to all disciples. If you think about Jesus when he called Peter and Andrew and James and John, these are all different people. And to each of them, he says the exact same thing. Follow me. Follow me. That's the call for every single one of us, to follow Jesus through every single aspect of our lives. So I want to invite um, Lori up here. Um, Lori DeVisser was part of Calling Lab this summer, and she, um, I just wanted her to share her story of calling, the way that she has come to understand her calling over the last year. And I think it's going to help you guys kind of understand your own calling. That's what I'm hoping. So would you guys kind of welcome her up here? Oh, there you go. Okay. Um, well, thank you. Like Brendan said, I uh, did the calling lab this past summer, and it was it was really cool. It was just really um, interesting, and God taught me a lot through it. So, to give a little background, um, I've been teaching second grade 
uh, for eight years now. Um, before that, I taught in uh, third grade for nine years. So I just finished my 16th year of teaching, just started my 17th year. And um, last year was just a really hard year. Um, outside of the classroom, I had we had a lot of stuff going on as a family. We moved, which was a great thing, but it was hard. It's stressful. Um, I also, my dad has a long-term has had long-term health issues. He was in and then out of hospice last year. So that was hard, too. So there were these things going on outside the classroom. And then my students, my class last year, it was just a tough group. And it happens in teaching that way. Um, But just one of those years where I really wondered if this is what I was supposed to be doing. And I really wondered if I was making any kind of impact or any kind of change. Um, And I think through that, I just started to really question if I was still supposed to be teaching which is hard because I'd always wanted to be a teacher. Um, I came home from my first day of preschool, and my mom, who's here, can attest to this, and I started playing school my first day of school. Like, my poor younger sister was subjected to many, many years of playing school, which is probably why she didn't want to go into teaching. And I always wanted to be a teacher. I never wavered in that. But last year I questioned it, and it's just like that passion was gone and that sense of purpose was gone. And it's exhausting when that happens because... You just don't know, and I just battled with that. And then to top it all off, I had some conversations with some colleagues and some coworkers who were just kind of encouraging me to maybe look at some different other parts of education, some leadership areas. And it was flattering to hear them say that. It was flattering to hear them say what they thought I could do or should do or whatever. But it kind of made it even more confusing for me. And I just really wondered what I was supposed to be doing. And to live in that unknown was hard. And so when I heard about the calling lab, I was like, oh, great, this is going to be it. This is going to give me that answer if I need to stay in teaching or if I need to, you know, take more classes and move on to a different level of education or if I need to leave altogether, it's going to give me that answer. It's going to give me that answer. And so that's what I went into calling lab thinking. And I think if you look at that quadrant, I was really looking for that, like, directive, that upper right-hand corner kind of this is your call. Yeah, the target. I was totally looking for the target. Thank you. Um, And because I was definitely in the desert last year, just definitely there. But it was about midway through Calling Lab, actually, when we did this quadrant, that I kind of had that Kairos moment where it was like, aha, this is what it's supposed to be. And I realized that right now, I don't need to be looking for that target. If that target comes my way, God's going to make it clear. But right now, where I needed to be was in that meadow. And I just needed to change Instead of looking for an answer, I needed to change my attitude. And I just needed to realize that this right now is where I'm supposed to be, and this right now is where I'm supposed to be serving. And it was a huge aha moment for me. And that quadrant really made it make sense to me. And then, like, the week after we had this lesson, we were also talking about mentors. And just, and I'm guessing we'll get into that sometime in the next couple weeks, but just the importance of mentors. And so I actually had a dinner scheduled with one of my college roommates and um, for that week. And she knew kind of this indecision that I had been going through. And so we met, and um, we met downtown Grand Rapids, and I still clearly remember it because she just asked me how this calling lab was going, and I was just giving her a very brief synopsis of it. And she just all of a sudden goes, Laura, you know what? I just feel I need to tell you this right now. And she is somebody who always, like, speaks truth, right? And she's just like, I just need to tell you. Like, I just think you need to be right where you are right now, and you just need to give 110%, but just have your hands open because God will make it clear, but I just feel like I just need to tell you, you need to be where you are right now. And it was like, whoa. 
because with kind of the kairos that I had had the week before and then hearing my friend just confirm it, it was like, okay, this is where I need to be. And I, I just felt this peace. And even that passion was kind of reignited. And going into this past school year, I've just felt kind of like rekindled, like, okay, this is definitely where I need to be. There might be other opportunities that come along, but I'm not stressing about it. And I think that's the big change for me is I'm not thinking, oh, I need to have the answer right now. God will make it abundantly clear. He will put up road signs. He will put up people who would tell me. He will just make it so abundantly clear if I'm supposed to do something else. But right now, I feel even this past week, which the first week of school is always like the worst week of the year. And when it's like 95 degrees outside and those kids come in from recess and there's 25 little sweaty bodies all around you, the smell in that room is just, I mean, it's bad. But even then it was like, no, this is where I'm supposed to be and this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And that, that was just what I really got from Calling Lab is that my viewpoint, my idea of what calling is, wasn't what God's calling was. God's calling is for me to be right here, right now, doing what I am, just giving 110%, but with having those hands open for what might come next. So that was, that was kind of what I sh- wanted to share. So. Thank you, Lori. Um, I love that story, how she went from I thought I was called to this, and all of a sudden, I feel like I'm not. I feel like this isn't where God wants me. I'm not sure. Maybe there's something else for me. And then realizing that her real call is to, to, uh, to be one with the Father, to receive his love, and to know that he's present in whatever stage she's in. Maybe he will lead her into different spheres. Who knows? But it's got to start with where she's at right here, right now. So that's what I hope for all of us, is that as we begin this journey of discovering our calling, that we start from a place of being fully in love with God, God being fully in love with us, who says, um, you are my son, you're my daughter, I am so pleased with you. I want a relationship with you. I want you to be in good relationship with other people. Let's just start right there, okay? So especially if you're in a season of desert or thorn where you're going, where is God or what is God doing to me right now? to start off with, um, with that footing, to say, okay, God, I'm going to seek your presence right now. I'm going to trust that you are here, right here, right now. I'm called to a place I already am. I'm going to invite uh, the band forward. We're just going to spend uh, some time reflecting. She's not actually the band. It's just Jackie. Thanks, Jackie. Um, we're going to spend some time reflecting to wonder together, um, maybe draw out that little um, matrix on your paper and put a little X where you think you might be. You know, maybe you feel like you're in target. Like, hey, I'm right where God's calling me to. What does it look like to follow Jesus in obedience during that season? Maybe you feel like you're in a meadow where God's like, hey, I don't really have a specific call for you right now. I just want you to be near me. And I want the place that you're in to feel like a flourishing uh, area, a flourishing spiritual landscape. Maybe you feel like you're in a desert where you feel like it's dry and God is silent. Maybe you feel like you're in, you've got a thorn in your side and you're wondering, what is, God, what are you doing? What are you trying to teach me during this time? Whatever it is, why don't we just spend some time in silent reflection? And uh, Jackie's actually going to sing a song that's going to help us just reflect. Don't feel any pressure to have to sing along, but spend this time um, reflecting with God. Spend some time with Jesus, going, Jesus, where are you in my season? Where am I? 
And um, how am I going to be following you? There it is. Um, this, if you guys sign up today, you guys will start this week and then go into the next Monday. And we'd love for you guys to join. Um, it would be just a touch point for us during this series to be able to discern our calling together. And uh, so you can go to vpm.org slash calling dash lab and sign up.